This next story comes from the fantabulous podcast, Love and Radio by Nick Vanderkolk. I forget how it came up. Um, probably came up out of nowhere, knowing Sarah, but she just said to me, you have to get a full-time job. And that's, I said to her, that's what I said. no way. Sarah, I do not need a full-time job. I will never get a full-time job. My goal is to figure out a way to create cash flow. I just assumed, okay, if I lay down the line and like explain to him that I need him to get a nine-to-five job so that I can sleep at night and stay with this man who I'm really interested in, then he'll do it. It was a public place, um, and we weren't yelling and screaming at each other. Well... But in some ways, that's a little bit more scary. Well, we... Because we weren't yelling and screaming, so we were channeling all of our anger and all of our bitterness into uh, these very stern, specific words and uh, icy stares and glares. It was like a showdown. Oh, yeah. How heated was it? How heated is heated? Well, we, we almost broke up. When I finally had the balls to have the confrontation, and then he was like, what the hell are you talking about? Kind of a response. You know, it was like such a... Yeah, it's called no. The kind of work that I make, I always take personal issues and bring them to the public as a way to help myself move past the issue. Uh, I know that no issue that I've had myself is unique to me and that I'm really working with universal ideas. Can you give me some examples of other stuff that you've addressed? Yeah, reconciling what it means to be in love with a non-Jewish man as a Jewish woman, what it means to be an artist and promiscuity issues, sexual relations with one too many people, my fear of being an artist and how I love to hide behind my day job. (laughs) Every time we had the money conversation, I got very awkward tense, cranky, broke out into hot flashes. I was always just suddenly mad at him for some other reason that just happened to be at the same time that we were having the money conversation of like, why do you never make the bed? Why do you you never make the bed? I began to understand that my body was having a physical reaction to money. Once I realized how prevalent that was, uh, for me, I realized I needed to make a dance about it. I really wanted to scare the shit out of myself as a way to reassess my relationship to money. That's when I came up with the idea of cashing out my entire savings account, of which I have uh, or had at the time, $5,000, and give it away. Each audience member must decide whether to keep the money or give it back. They can put it in their pants and walk away, and no one will stop them. They just understand that they're taking all that I have. Hi. Hi. <laughs> There's money in my right pant pocket. Okay. Take it, it's for you. It becomes a psychological experiment on what you'll do with someone else's money. At what point does it no longer become yours? I still think that even though I've genuinely given it to them, that they're going out into the world and spending my money. (laughs) I always go back to the core, which is I look at them in the eyes and I say, here's X amount of dollars. Take it. It's for you. When I say it, I mean it take it, it's for you, doesn't mean take it, it's for you, but I'm sort of kind of joking, half 
lovely, and I'd really love for you to give it back at the end of the show. <laughs> Here's $50. Take it, it's for you. What often happens is if someone feels as though they've had to work hard for the money, then they often keep it. It's too much like work. (laughs) Can you describe for me that feeling that you have at the end of the night when that last chunk of change is gone. What goes through your mind? What does that feel like? Every single time I do this last moment where I give the balance of what I have on the floor, which is always a couple thousand dollars to one person, I have the exact same response every time, which is sheer fear. When I I look at everyone for the last time after I've given my entire life savings away and I'm left with nothing. I find that Yeah, so it was Holland. Uh, The first two nights we had not lost any money. In fact, we had gained enough money to make up for the losses we had in New York City. Through a number of circumstances, Sarah wound up giving this $3,800 to this woman who had lost her wallet. After the show, I uh, opened the box, I did the count, and I realized we're down like $2,500. And then the artistic director of the New Orders on the festival, uh, this guy named Mark Yeoman, they tell Mark that we've lost this money, and this guy goes absolutely nuts. We're like, we're, you know, he's like, I can't believe this is your money. This is so embarrassing. Oh my God, you know, like, how could they? And we're like, yo, 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 yo. This is the show. This is what this is about. You know, this is the money coming. This is the event. This is what you hired us to come do. You know, Sarah and I pretty much just go to bed. Uh, how did you sleep that night? <laughs> I slept like a baby. So Mark Yeoman makes crazy phone calls, okay? And one of the people he reaches is his communications director. She knows exactly who these people were. So she, like, takes it upon herself to go find these people and tracks them down in a bar on the festival grounds. And suddenly, this big kind of, like, uh, argument broke out between them where she accused them of taking the money. You know, they, like, you know, tried to explain why they took the money. And so from what I understand, there was, like, a big 15-minute shouting match in this bar. You know, they left abruptly. And sure enough, uh, you know, the next day when Sarah and I uh, went back to the theater, there is a little envelope with $2,500 in U.S. Uh, dollars uh, and the girl's uh, phone number. Doesn't that violate the rules of the piece, though? No, uh, no, not at all, actually. Because Yes, it totally violates <laughs> the rules of the piece. No, whole, not at all. The whole time I was telling Mark, you can't humiliate these people and force them to give it back because I'm genuinely giving it to them. We understood that how the festival was responding was their own reaction to not wanting me to lose my money. And we, we didn't ask for it back. We never communicated with them. And if someone else guilted them into giving it back, then that's something that we had no control over. But I think that is the event. I disagree. We never asked for the money back. Mark is also an audience member. That was his own reaction to the money, 
right? And then that was then transferred to his communications director. She could have just went like, all right, great, Mark. Well, that's the show and gone to bed. But for whatever reason, because of her own relationship to money, she went out and she found these people. She tracked them down. We did nothing. We just did the show, gave away the money, and then the event happened outside the theater, independent of us. And I think that's what the money conversation is. That's exactly what I'm saying. Well, good. Then we, then we actually do agree. <laughs> you are listening to Snap Judgment. And to hear more stories, visit snapjudgment.org.